so interesting that every there's so much going on at every point of the year it feels like it's the start of a new year because it's a new a new thing going on you know like a new um, like uh, because it's you know this is something that happens every year significant so many of those things happen in the year that everything <clears throat> everything feels like it's a reference to a new era or a new year or something Sorry, this is like the most absolute garbage, rambling nonsense, beginning to anything. I'm away for weeks on end. No news. No, um, nothing that's promised. Which I'll get into in a minute why that's not happened. And then when I'm back, it's just this weird sort of rambly beginning. Well, I mean, it's nice this little, um, you do a paradiddle, but you put a double Uh, on the beginning of um, a double on the beginning of uh, each paradiddle so instead of right left right right it's right right left right right left left right left left <clears throat> it's quite nice that thing of having a double stroke quite nice having that, that double stroke after uh, twice the speed of another double stroke before it it kind of puts it in perspective a little bit. There's some police flying past there. Probably hear that. There they go. It's interesting how much it slows you down, you know. Because it's... Um, You only play it obviously as fast as the um, as the as the fastest element, so to speak. So the um, actual paradiddle itself is very slow. Paradiddle, 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 paradiddle. Sorry, I'm slipping on the coffee there. Anyway, welcome back. Episode sixty-five. So apologies for. Yeah, for not really being around much. Um, and, yeah, made these sort of big announcement at the end of the last one about interviews and stuff. And um, so what happened? Well, what happened? I mean, nobody cares anyway, but I'll explain this for anybody that listens um, and then get on with the job of what we're actually talking about today, which is not actually... What the title of the podcast is about so um, it's a bit of a con really um, but yeah I uh, went I went down to uh, do some recording somewhere and the idea was while I was there to do some uh, to do an interview with somebody who um, who I've been 
asking to do an interview with for ages. And uh, and he finally agreed. And we were going to do it in person. And it was just not appropriate. It was very, very busy days. Uh, I mean, you know, there were, you know, people I was recording with were obviously trying to get the most time out of it. And the studio is, has a working window. It's good, actually. It's... Um, it's, uh, it's it has a working window because it's, it's a residential uh, studio for most people who've gone to stay there. So, um, so there's this idea of um, you know of that that they have a life as well. People that own the studio have a life as well. You know, outside the working day. So um, I went. It, we, this, the session was was tweaked slightly, and it was made a slightly longer session because we actually ended up recording quite a lot of music, which was great. But it was a very, very good session, very productive, very, very enjoyable session, very easy session. Um, great drum sound as ever from um, the man himself down there. I'm not going to say it is because I'm going to because it's giving away when the interview finally happens, which it will because he's now agreed to the interview. So the backstory with this was I asked him to do an interview a long time ago, and he said no, simply because he thought he calls him very interesting to speak to and wouldn't say anything. And I said, that's, you know, come on, that's, you know, I'll get you talking. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, transpires, you know, that um, that he um, has put a bit of faith in that, um, in that kind of opinion. So... Um, and then when we were down there, um, yeah, we spent actually one of the evenings having a quite a long chat about cars and stuff, which was great. He's got a really nice car. And, um, yeah, and doing the podcasting was just not appropriate. It was not. Um, it was a very sociable time. So to have sort of gone off and done that for a couple of hours um, and it would have been after the eating, after the time we were eating and stuff. And, you know, it's always that thing. It was a social thing. You know, there's um if you if you know one likes a drink, there's a drinking thing, and it's just that thing. You know, if you start disappearing off and doing other things, it becomes a, it becomes and feels a little bit antisocial. So, especially for him because it's again it's his downtime. So um, so yeah, we've agreed to do it at some point. Um, it probably won't be on the internet because the internet down there is pretty bad. Uh, actually it's better than it was when I was last there last year and and it was certainly better than it was the year before um, but it had, uh, yeah to do a zoom interview don't think that's going to work well um, so yeah the interview will happen um, the next time I go down there which I hope is not you know not another year or two it probably will be because of the you know the nature of these kind of projects it's a long way away and you know it's not a working um, it's not a working studio that I'm involved in yeah, I'm just gonna just turn this phone down slightly probably heard it pinging in the background there the old so um, that's that's sorted. Anyway, yeah. So, and then there's another interview that I plan to do there. I just haven't got around to um, having that conversation with uh, that the person that that's with. Um, and uh, we've talked about doing that since before Christmas. So um, that's how disorganised I am, uh, and that's my fault entirely because. His suggestion was to do it actually on Zoom, and I, and I, I'm trying to avoid 
as many of those <clears throat> sort of Zoom situations as possible because everyone's a bit sick of it, aren't they, you know? And we've kind of hopefully, I mean, where I don't know where you are in the world, but in the UK, things have um, most certainly improved uh, to a pretty, things are back to what I would say is, is normality. I, I, you know, I'm behaving as if everything's normal. I mean, I just had my uh, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, I had my fourth COVID boosted fourth jab whatever you want to call it and uh, I've been feeling quite unwell actually um, I was feeling pretty unwell yesterday it's Sunday evening now the usual podcast recording evening and yeah I'm not 100% I will probably have to pause this to cough um, because yeah it's made me feel a bit a bit um, unwell I felt really really tired yesterday I was trying to do a bit of gardening and stuff and a bit of practice yesterday and forget it I just went went to bed not to sleep but just went to lie on the bed you know our cat is um our, uh, he's getting quite old now and he's not very well and he's very frail so it's been a bit of time with him because he's living kind of almost exclusively sort of on the bed now really not doing a great deal goes out a little bit but very sad you know how people things get old not people the cat dave how things get old creatures People, things we get attached to. Um, anyway, yeah, so he's, you know, he's not so great at the moment. And um, so, yeah, anyway, I don't know what I'm telling you. That's all complete rambling nonsense. Anyway, um, so that's the kind of update. Um, and then the last few weeks since then and around then, I've been doing this um, this gig, these gigs with Arun Ghosh, an old friend of mine. Um great musician and a great writer and a great front person you know someone that um, really um, knows how to connect with um, with audiences you know and uh, that's kind of a bit what I was going to talk about today really not about him particularly but just about that whole idea of of what that means from the drums which can be you know, um, it's often a perspective that um, that the the, the the situations I find myself in often it's a perspective that I'm an I feel an observer of. I, I don't feel like I'm part of that, but actually, uh, that's not always the case. You know, and it's certainly sometimes not the way that people see you. Um, but there's sort, of, there's sort of three sides to that. Um, well, there's two sides of it, and then one side of it's got two sides. That makes no sense at all. But I tell you, anyway, so you know, I'll collect my thoughts. Um, the thing I was thinking a lot about, I've, I've thought a lot about this over years and years, um, this idea of uh, the, the session player versus the artist. And um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was at college and we have these um, we have these sort of things that go on once a month. They're like late, later in the evening and, and ac academics or 
Mem- you know, members of the team from various parts of the, you know, the teaching faculty and whatever, come in and do sort of presentations about various things to do with their teaching and share good practice, you know. And I, I've it's been tricky for me because they're on a Tuesday evening and I've not really been able to get to them because I, I stay on a Monday evening over in Leeds and then I, on Tuesday I teach and then I come home, spend like the, the Tuesday afternoon working and then Wednesday and Thursday and then go back in on a Friday when we've got a lot of events on for, uh, with our students. And that's kind of all come to an end now because now it's assessments, recitals, teaching's finished for the year, which is all great. So we're into the recital season now, which is this thing I was thinking at the beginning about this. Um, it's the beginning of a new year or, the, or the, you know, it's another year gone by and... and there's so many of these markers in the year that feel like that, that it's just a stupid way of thinking, really. I was thinking to myself, well, why am I thinking in that way? Anyway, it was a, I was reminding myself of the end of this teaching thing and thinking about what I was going to talk about today, which is this idea of um, the artist versus the uh, the kind of session player, which I've, I've talked about this as well in previous podcasts, so it's not a new subject, but it's just, it's just a revisit and a re-reflection. Can you have a re-reflection when you've already reflected? Or do you just reflect more? Are you just becoming more reflected? Reflected? Reflects? Reflects? don't know. More see-through? No. Was it more? Are we reflecting more? Or is the thing I'm looking at becoming more glare, glare, more glary because it's more reflective? Or am I becoming more reflective? Am I, am I turning into like a sun? This, is, this whole conversation is very strange. Um, <clears throat> anyway, this presentation was by a couple of members of the popular music faculty. Um, we have great popular music faculty at Leeds Conservatoire. Uh, and I used to teach part of that faculty when I got my full-time job on the jazz pathway. That kind of ceased to be. Um, but I do, obviously, a lot of you know, I have a lot to do with... My, my playing and my what my my life as a musician i i've i have a good percentage as much to do with playing rock and roll or whatever you want to call it pop music as playing jazz you know so um it's a world i'm always dipping into and always i'm always kind of aware of um and have close ties to but they were talking about this idea of um of the uh, of the singer and the songwriter um, focusing on their artistry. It's not a specific thing to... Uh, I'm not going to go into what they were talking about, but it made me... I asked a question or maybe maybe a statement when I was asking them. I said, Have you, uh, are the students that consider themselves more like myself as a session player, someone that comes in and helps artists, you know, facilitates helps artists get the music that they want made in the way they want it made or are the students communicating with each other like that as well is that conversation going on as well as this other conversation that's the kind of am i an artist what kind of artist am i conversation or thoughts or whatever which is all very important but i felt like just sticking my hand in the air for a second saying you know yeah that's all great but don't forget you know don't forget about um, those students that that uh, maybe feel quite differently about the way they're studying or, or the way that they're approaching the instrument in relation to what they want to do with their career or their life you know um so 
it got me back into this idea from doing these gigs with Arun as well and, and some conversations I had with members of the audience during the tour and a couple of interesting observations that a couple of members of the audience made about the drums specifically. Um, it got me thinking again about this idea of, you know, of, um, when when are you an artist? Or, or is it just by default because of the nature of the way you're, you know, involved in the music and the, the nature of the music and the fact that the music... Um, on this specific gig, um, and I'm talking about this specific gig, I'm not talking about all gigs, this conversation, if you want to reflect yourself on this and turn into a, a bright, reflective something, I don't know, whatever, um, then uh, you can think about the music that you're playing and about what what's going on in that music. Now, I'm talking about my experience of my own music here, I'm not talking about anybody else's. So, just to be clear about that. Um, so... Yeah, just this idea that because there's an ever-changing narrative in the music and the drum parts are set, but the way in which the music is played is not set. And uh, and this came, you know, this conversation, we had this, we had quite a, uh, there was a conversation during the tour that happened quite deeply about this because somebody came and, there was a, we had we had sort of a guest musician uh, playing. He had never played with us before uh, for a couple of shows, and, and uh, I think he he kind of was getting his head around that concept while he was involved in this process. You know, um, he, he wasn't he wasn't bringing that kind of thought process to the situation and going, oh yeah yeah, I understand that it's going to be it's going to be a very flexible thing. It's not going to be set. Um, and we were kind of trying to explain that every gig is different, every gig is individual, so every gig that's shared with every audience has its own, you know, energy and its own um, experience. Now, you can say that about all gigs, and, and, and I would agree. I mean, I've done other shows with, with artists that are a real set show, but there's always something about those gigs... Um, not just about the kind of the commentary between tunes, but also the way the tunes are played, maybe the tempos and just the vibe of certain shows and things and stuff that you don't even see. And and, and people say, "Oh, that was an, that was really happening tonight." And I might have been thinking, "Oh, that wasn't so happening," you know, for me. But um, you know, that's always a challenging thing. But yeah, but anyway, not not to get too off the topic, but just that idea that. Um, I, I've done set gigs where I know that every time you know that the audience has come to see that gig, and and one tour I did, there was there was four three or four members of the audience that came to a large number of of the gigs. You know, a couple of members of the audience in a forty thirty eight tour, thirty eight gig tour. Sorry, came to fourteen gigs. Um, which is a lot of gigs, you know, in, in a tour that's you know not that relatively long, couple of months, you know. So yeah, anyway, just food for thought there on, in that respect, and and, th and those those people that came to those gigs all felt every time they came to those gigs they they were seeing something that was different, you know, and the the set was slightly evolved during the tour, it changed slightly, uh, whereas the set on this tour was 
really didn't change. It, it became quite um, uh, became very efficient set. Um, it became quite, ended up being like a five-five, you know, five break and a five five tunes break, five tunes, which is one of the shortest gigs I've ever done. But but still two hours, you know, two hour sets or two fifties. Uh, and if it's 245s or 240s it's still five tunes and still the same tunes but just shorter you know and it's that kind of flex the ability within um, you know five tunes within one hour to go down to 40 minutes you know that's a big percentage per tune to lose or gain but because of the nature of the quartet and the way in which we approach music there's this kind of ability to stretch things and keep things interesting. And and for the drums, it's quite a challenge because the, the grooves are set, you know. A lot of people think on a jazz gig that the grooves, you know, you're playing swing and it's like, what does that even mean, you know? it's uh, You're playing a swinging feel, but it's, it's so loose and open. There's no set thing to it. And then you're playing Latin. Again, it's what, you know, what sort of Latin and... It's not set things to it. These are set grooves. These these grooves are all, they're all parts, you know, and they're they're played like pop songs almost. They're they're quite repetitive, but there's there's flex, you know, to um, to fill and stretch out and reorchestrate and move things around the kit and play the same thing on different parts of the kit and what have you. But um, but the interesting thing of thinking about this artist idea and uh, or this thing of be, being a session player is is when when does one become the other? I'm, I'm talking from session player to artist. You know, uh, I would I would never think anyone that's ever an artist relinquishes that identity and walks into situations with where they become anonymous. You know. Uh, for what they are, um, I've seen. I've worked with a couple of people who have come in uh, to a situation where um, there's very much an artist and a band, and they they've come in as a person as in a support role. Um, but because of how strong their thing is, they they remained identifiable as an artist even in a supporting role you know and and maybe that's what I'm talking about in, in relation to myself you know and, and, and that's kind of some of that's about about how one behaves or looks when they play I tend to not um, have much going on in that respect apart from smiling I think the one thing I do genuinely do um and don't do it in a kind of contrived way but i do it in a, in, a, in a genuine way but it's something that people mention is that i smile a lot when i play i'm not a serious player i'm smiling you know so that's kind of something that i just do kind of naturally i'm quite happy about that it's good i think um i think it draws people to you then um then pushes them away from you you know but um but there's this thing of I've played with people where in certain situations their body language, the way they play their instrument, everything about them when they get on the stage can be so, so different than it has been at other times I've been on stage with them. 
Um, there's a couple of people I could think of in that respect, and it's and that, I've always I kind of find that fascinating, and and, it, and that's very much been an artistic decision, you know, to become um, to show a different side to their I don't know persona or personality. If that's the same thing, or you know, um, is persona or personality? It's not. I don't think it is. Is it? I think persona is something that's kind of. Um, you know, uh, not acting, but it's something that's kind of put on extra. Um, but yeah, it's, anyway, that's kind of. I'm just thinking back to something now, in that kind of thought process of like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was quite interesting and quite almost like a little bit shocking to not see that coming. You know, um, but but yeah, yeah, in 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 myself. I had some a couple of interesting conversations during this tour about the way in which I was playing the music and, and particularly soloing. Um, somebody came up to me and they were talking about the music. It's very it's beautiful melodic music and it's music that really connects with people. Um, and it's not that kind of alienating jazz vibe that some people. I mean, you connect with all jazz, you know, that it's just really complicated music and nobody can understand and the solos are just all, like, really confusing and rhythmically it's all really confusing and I can't hear any melody and it's all very confusing and it's just confusing, you know, and it's like, okay. Um, I hear that a lot about jazz and um, that's fine, you know, because I can see the point of that. Some jazz feels very navel-gazy, some jazz feels extremely of insular and, um, you know, very much, you know, for the player and, oh, you happen to be watching and if you happen to enjoy this or get this, then that's a bonus for you. I'm not into any of that kind of thing at all. That's not my vibe at all. Um, occasionally, yeah, I play in situations like that because of the nature of the situation, you know, and again, I just think even just having a smile on your face when you do that, can draw people in to what you're doing even if it's you know a bit complicated and a bit strange um but this music's not like that at all and this chat came up to me at one of the gigs he said oh it's, it's fantastic music you know it's so beautiful and melodic and it's really you know it really um it's just, you know, I've, I've been to a few of the gigs now. This guy I've been to two, maybe two or three of, you know, it was only like 10 or 11 gig tour, you know, um, which is, you know, it's a good, you know, quarter of the, the gigs almost. Um, and and he said, even, even, with, even with the drum solos, it's still really melodic, you know, and still got that connection to the to the melodic, the melodic nature of the music, you know. And I said, oh, thanks, I really appreciate that. I said, that's kind of my my whole thing anyway when I'm soloing anyway in in jazz, and you know, jazz, complicated jazz or whatever. My, you know, what I teach is very much from that thing. And more and more over the years because it becomes, I just I personally become more and more baffled by the kind of over-complex kind of drum solos that exist around the world and this kind of linear thing that's going on and that kind of, all that sort of soloing thing which um, seems to be really on trend. 
Um, I'm kind of happy to to sort of, um, you know, fly the flag, if you like, of um, of soloing um, on the drums from a from a kind of from from a different from a different starting point. Um, in relation to concept, the conceptual starting point. I mean, not maybe not the technical, but the conceptual. So, um, and that's not to say that you know, get technical sometimes and, and play technical things or whatever. That's not. I'm not saying that at all. But the the the, the, the springboard or the starting point or the the way in and the way to connect is from a melodic concept, you know. And uh, I did a I did a, a podcast a while ago. Um, on soloing, um, and there's, there's a little bit of playing on there. I was talking about this concept on that, and and so this guy, you know, he'd, he'd really, he'd sort of, he'd said, oh, you know, this made this observation, which was right, and he was, and it was, he was actually talking specifically about one of the tunes in the set, and I'd got into this thing where I'd been soloing on it, um, you know, by 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 because of the conceptual. Um, the nature of my, you know, my approach fundamentally to soloing. I'd got into this way of soloing on this tune over a number of gigs. It had evolved very slightly and become more crystallised, but it was fundamentally the same kind of approach. But the, the solos were obviously all different, you know, and some solos were better than others and played better and, you know, there's bits of mistakes and stuff and um, weird things like playing in rooms that are a bit cold and my hands being very cold and not really having fluidity and other then other nights everything feeling amazing and just being able to you know like in the drum shed today we had a nice warm day it's a beautiful beautiful evening here bolton sunday night and it's sunny you know and the sun's just going down now but it's been a beautiful day it's very warm in here so you know we're sort of holding the sticks compared to like a week or so ago is a it's just a joy can i actually hold actually hold the sticks now um but it was interesting just what he said and then and then just reflecting on that thing of like okay well you know obviously i can't turn around and say or even into myself and say well you know that's a session that's a session musician kind of decision you know because there's more, there's more to it than just you know doing the job of work of, of doing a professional, professional job of, of of that music, you know. So, so, so it's this kind of idea of these two these drummers that play in bands and have the band as an artistic identity and you're part of that whole identity and it's it's whatever it is and 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 the way you dress, the attitude thing, the vibe of it all is got, it's that aesthetic, you know. And then there are lots of drummers out there that come, that are session players that come in and play in bands for artists and they're just there, and, you know, that a lot of those drummers are followed by drummers because um, a lot of them are very, very good drummers who are, you know, extremely good at kind of other sorts of music and, and they've just got a real following, you know. Um, it's kind of, in, you know, there's, there's that kind of thing going on. And... And it's just where, where from time to time, oh, phone's going. Sorry about that. Phone was going off, and um, I have to turn the um, turn it off. So it's a bit of a it'll be a weird edit, I think. In fact, I might try and pick things up and just edit. I don't know why I'm telling you this because I'm going to edit it out. So um, yeah, I can't remember what I was saying. Uh, 
What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, it was that thing of where, from time to time, do you feel like you move between one and the other? Or when one is aware of being one or the other? Or just that thing of being aware that we can be both. That's what I'm trying to say. don't even know what I'm trying to say today. Um... Well, you know, as you know, this is all an archive anyway. So it's a self-archive. So it's all a kind of self-reflective thing, recorded, shared. Sorry about that. Warts and all. But, um, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about, basically, about living that sort of dual life as a... sometimes as a session player and sometimes... Being art, being artistic, woo! You know, I remember this guy years ago talking about, um, you know, someone said, "How do you define art?" And um, the thing I, I liked this this statement this guy made. He said, "It's something that one does or creates that makes someone else see the world differently." And um, I quite like that simple, the simplicity of that. You know, either challenge the way somebody sees the world or, or doesn't challenge it, but just makes them suddenly go, oh, wow, oh, that's different. Yeah, yeah. But it's both those things, isn't it? It can be like, I see the world, I'm very fixed like this, and then this thing is like, oh, God, that's really amazing. Oh, that's not, that's outside my fixed view of this thing and that's really challenging my fixed view oh i don't like that because it's oh i find that scary or you know it's all those different emotions that art can bring and that's you know often what happens you know a lot of people you know if they find art um you get a lot of people sort of artistically deny to themselves the value of something that's making an artistic statement but the other thing is just that you know, you that thing where you hear or see something, or you know, and you, that you've never seen or considered before, or just changes your view of a whole thing. You know, and um, and so that's always been my kind of barometer. Um, you know, so I've if I'm if I'm playing as a session player with a artist. Which is normally, you know, nobody sessions for a session player, do they? <laughs> That's just farcical, you know. Um, you might session for, you know, writing for uh, for someone who's, um, you know, writing. I, I work. Well, I've worked for these guys who uh, write film scores, you know, um, and all pretty much all the musicians that are involved with that. I, 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 the focal point is making this this music for this for a director you know and so really in that in that interesting dynamic of what's going on there i'm i'm twice removed from that and often never meet the director but you know i know that the person that i'm working with the person i'm recording for he or she is working very closely with the director and um and that director and them have, you know, a lot of the time it's the director's lead on the artistic vision of the music. The, the, the right music for this is X, Y or Z because of these things. But 
from time to time you get those collaborative things where the art the director is working with an with a with a you know with an artist so to speak as in a you know a a, a person um, of note in 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 music and uh, and so they're bringing themselves um, because the, you know the director wants that sound and a lot of time directors just use pre-recorded you know, I've I've worked with someone who's had who's had his music used on films and all sorts of and adverts and all sorts of different things because it's been the thing that the director has wanted that aesthetic. You know, but sometimes you get a thing where uh, a director works with an artist and they create something together, and you still get you know session musicians like myself brought in to work and try and achieve that goal of getting the you know of working on getting that sound together getting the right vibe recorded and, and so they can you know, create the thing that they can, that, that vision of what they can hear and see. <clears throat> but that's kind of a weird, that's like, that's twice, that feels twice removed for me often a lot of time because I don't get to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm working with the, with the person who's producing or the, the, the person who's recording or writing that music for the director, you know, often. So that's a kind of interesting one. Um, all is the thing of, of 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 being, you know. So I'm saying like the the session player thing. That was what I was saying. You know, that you know, you, you never, you're not a session player for another session player. You're a session player to come into work for an artist. You know. So you've got that hat on. All these are situations where you're, um, where you're 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 playing. A lot of it's live thing for me. Where you're playing live. Um, and then there's that kind of role between, which is this kind of producing role in a way. Um, there's a project I'm a little bit involved with at the moment and have some more say than just the drums. You know, I'm kind of involved a little bit on some other facets of the music. Um just some of the some of the kind of uh, extra parts like strings and things and, and maybe backing vocals and stuff like that. Um, but it's not a producer's role. It's just a role of 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 uh, because I write a lot of music, you know, and, I, and I'm quite. I've got uh, I've got a specific kind of set of sounds and things that I that I use. So again, you know that all kind of links in to um, to what you bring to the table as as a player. I think you know that kind of mind, you know the kind of the the conceptual but the the practical mind of the musician. You know what does one know about music? The function of, of how things work in music. I know quite a lot about that, about harmony and what have you, and um, you know colours, colours of the colours of music, and. Um, and that has a big impact, you know, and I'm playing live with people, you know, I see things, um, the colour spectrum has um, definitely has an impact upon how I play the instrument. And, well, it has an impact on how we all do it. I mean, we, you know, I'm not, that's not exclusive to me at all. But it's, I mean, and obviously we don't think about it, but um, if you think about wave sound waves and the color spectrum, they're linked to each other, aren't they? Because you know, colors on the higher end of, I mean, it's um, you know, right up the spectrum. Um, you know, it's above, uh, 
like Wi-Fi and, and gigahertz and all that stuff colours above that, but it is still there's still waves. It's still um, you know still and, and you know we play music and the, the colour of harmony, the the dark or the lighter harmony, and I definitely see different colours linked to different types of harmony, and that will make me play different parts of the instrument. Um, instinctively because of that connection you know uh, anyway, it's a bit of a weird sorry it's a bit of a weird thing something i've been thinking a lot of thing i've been thinking about a lot recently um but some of these things you don't need to think about do you because it's just you know that's just what we do naturally but um yeah i would i would just say f have a think about that idea of where you are <laughs> and the situations that you're in and what you and how you bring things to those situations, you know. So that was the that was the main um, that was the kind of main thrust of this. This is the kind of this was the kind of conclusive point. It's interesting though in in here. Sorry, this is very random, but uh, the drum shed I think has a quite healthy um, healthy population of ladybirds because. Um, Every spring, when the when the temperature increases, or if I turn on the heat in here, there was one year where I had hundreds, I mean literally hundreds of ladybirds in here. There might even be a couple of podcasts where I make reference to it. And when I turn the heating on, they'd all appear because they're all hibernating in the doors and the windows and under the window blinds and stuff. And uh, and this is the first day I've been in here this year so far, um, the, lit the literal year, by the way, since... Um, since uh, 2022, which is the year we're in, the actual year, not an academic year or a weird year. Um, it's the first day I've been here where it's actually been warm in here. It's been cold in here all the time. And um, I've really struggled in here this year because I lost some weight last year. And when you lose weight, the thing you lose is insulation, you know. And I've felt the cold more. I've just felt the cold more and I've put a bit of weight back on and I've kind of been glad for it, a bit of a weight because I'm a little bit warmer but I've not put the weight I had on I'm still a good stone or so lighter than I was at the start of 2021 and uh, I'm just colder my feet my hands are uh, particularly just colder you know my feet my hands are not great anyway they're cold they, they, they get cold quite easily particularly my feet um, but they I'm just a colder person so it's been really crap up here it's been cold and um you know in the uk well all over the world but the price of electricity has gone up mentally so i've been trying to sort of save money so i've not have been having the heaters and things on in here like i would normally i used to have the heaters on at night in here as well to keep all the drums you know stop them from getting cold and um and that's you know luckily that's the price of electricity went up in april and then it was warm enough at night for it not to be down at freezing but it's been pretty pretty cold but uh, there's all these ladybirds in here today. I've noticed all around the windows, tons of them all wandering around. So, um, so it's just a random thing I thought I'd share with you because it's been sort of distracting me a little bit while I've been talking. Which so it probably sounds when I'm talking around. I imagine I'm sounding a bit strange, which is probably kind of normal anyway. But, uh, but yeah. So, what I would say is, if you know, if you're thinking about. When you're playing and in a situation, there may be opportunity for you to think 
more about about how you can approach your playing, which generally has more of an artistic input, you know. So the simple example of this guy that comes up to me, the, 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 what it sounded to me like he was saying, the way he said it, <clears throat> and, and, you know, anybody that's listened to this who probably, you know, knows me and, and a couple of, two or three people I know that listen to it who definitely are musical drummers will find this, uh, let's not get insulted here, but the intimation with what he was saying was, oh, wow, the, the, the drums can be melodic as well, you know, as, as well as the melodic instruments. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, it's a fair observation for somebody that, you know, doesn't know a lot about drums, you know, and listens to lots of drums playing, just playing what people would say is normal drums, you know. I don't consider myself a normal drummer, I never have. And uh, that's fine, you know. I don't play a straight, totally straight quaver, and that's fine. <clears throat> In the words of Peter Erskine, I probably don't get called for more pub music gigs, but I'm okay with that. That's his quote from Timekeeping 2, when he talks about his lilted quaver. And uh, and I've, you know, I've long, that's long been where I've, you know, been. I could, I could play a straighter quaver if I need to, but generally my default is slightly off, you know. But um, but it's interesting that 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 view has come across to somebody in the audience who has kind of noticed this quality, um, and he and he'd attributed it to the music, um, which you know I'm not going to be egotistical here. I could be like, well, it's me, man. I'm I'm doing it. Well, I am because I'm physically playing the instrument. There's nobody else doing that. There's nobody else playing the drums, and uh, and that's inherent in a lot of you know a lot of us have that thing, don't we? Where we have to kind of be um, be gracious with the comments that are made. You know, I mean, I get it a lot about my drums. You know, my drums sound nice. You know, but I bet there's people that could play them that make them not sound nice. That's all I'm saying. You know. Uh, lots of people that I know and lots of drummers that I know would also make them sound nice, by the way, but that's because they also have skill. But it's that thing of, oh, you, oh, the drums sound great, don't they? People never say, you sound great on those drums. Oh, you sound great, you know, or just you sound great. Um, those drums obviously really suit the way you play the drums. They obviously bring out the thing that you're going for, you know. What's often said is, those drums sound great as if they are the thing that sounds great, you know. Not the person that's making them sound great, which is maybe what's actually going on. Anyway, we know that. I'm preaching to the choir here, so I don't know really know why I'm getting into this. And I don't and I don't in any way have a trip on my shoulder, but it's, by the way, I find it quite amusing. Um but um uh, you know, I always notice when, like, um, drums that I expect to sound great don't sound great. And I've also heard me playing my drums and my cymbals particularly when I'm not playing great, when they don't sound like they can sound. And, um, you know, there's a few students I've taught who we've had long conversations about about that. 
and they've really understood and heard it you know they've really heard it they they've understood that thing it comes from you the sound comes from you you know but so does the concept the the approach to playing the music you know if you're given <coughs> free reign somebody's allowing you the freedom within set things to be expressive and do your own thing in inverted commas then i think you'll be an artist i think that's it you're you're an artist by default even if you're a session player don't think of yourself as not being an artist if you're given you know you're given freedom and uh and i also even think that things in the sound you bring if you come to a situation where people have hired you for, you know because you sound a certain way and you've got a certain whatever but they're being very prescriptive about what they want you to do i still think the identity of what you do within your sound means that you are contributing to that thing in an artistic way why do i think that because the way that you sound in that music will have a unique quality within the overall sound of that finished product, that music. And therefore, anybody that listens to that, it will have an impact upon how they feel about being alive, full stop. So, yeah, think about that. Think about that whole process, that whole journey from you to the person listening to you within the bigger thing, you know, and the impact that that has on their life and their perspective of, um, of, 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 of that music, of that artist, of music, of, of the day they've had, on the, the day they wish they hadn't had and how that music's made their day feel better, you know, or it's reminded them of someone who's no longer around or all sorts of things, all these different emotions that music connects and depends what the message of the music is, you know, but let's not do ourselves down, Mrs and Mr Drummer, out there when we often talk ourselves down and just say i do i do this all the time you know i'm just i've had arguments with people where i said i'm not really an artist and this was a, the kind of point i was making um i was sort of defending the thing that i'm saying that i should never say i am <laughs> which is just completely insane you know but i think sometimes it's just it's good to understand where we are in a very quiet, humble way, not in an egotistical way or anything, putting your hand up and saying, hey, what about me? I don't mean that. I just mean in, in, our, in our own journeys, in our self, in our quiet time, um, in our self-reflection, which is what this is. This is a shared reflection. Um, it's just to acknowledge that and to um, and understand what um, what the contribution is you know um, and the title of this podcast new era is not um i'm gonna have a new era with this it was just a i called it new era because i had to name the project something and then it was like oh actually am i gonna rename it now not sure new era new perspective or no 
I don't know why I'm overthinking this. Completely farcical. Um, so yeah, I hope that I hope we got there. Did I get there? I think I got there with the point of that rambling. That was well. That was where my head's been. Been sort of in this little transcendental journey, thinking about this. Um, to be honest with you, it's something I think about a lot. I think it's something I'm getting clearer about as I get older. And just having that kind of faith that one can communicate more through simple, the simplicity of an idea and sound. And the audiences and people listen to your music, the people you're sharing your music with, you know, they're... There's often a lot in what they're. Um, there's a lot in what their experience is that is. Is so much wider than our own imagination, you know. And also, sometimes, people really notice the thing that you're doing. They get it on a very deep level, you know. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, uh, or keep reflecting on what you're doing and considering and working hard, you know, practicing and trying to work out ways to to practice. Don't just play, you know. I mean, if you want to just play, that's cool. But if you want to get better, you know, do practice stuff. Find the good things to practice that's going to make you just be able to get deeper into the sound of the instrument and deeper into the time deeper into wherever it is you're playing you know and deeper with the confidence your confidence on the instrument be the deeper you can be with that the more the more meaningful simple things become you know um and uh, and if you're studying very complex things then that's great because i think if you're I think it's sort of easier in a way. Uh, it's not. This is. I'm not saying it's easy, by the way. I'm just saying, I think when you when we're studying, what I found when I'm studying more complex things is it's kind of easier to um, to find the end goal of those things because it, because they're because they're complex. They require a a. Um, it's not as conceptual. It's more specific or practical. It has a kind of uh, a quantifiable or, or an engineered or a system-based thing, or whatever it is. It's got something about it that's like, I'm trying to play this this kind of time signature or this kind of fill with this kind of subdivision and I'm practicing it with a metronome and I'm trying to make sure that I know that it's, that it's absolutely in time and that I really understand where it's kind of linking to the, to the bigger... The bigger, the bigger, um, the time, bigger time signature, or the bigger meter or form that it's within, you know. Like a very simple version of that. When I was, I've been practicing a lot of these groups of five in swing, you know, and just knowing instinctively, what if I start a group of five on the last triplet quaver of beat three, uh, then a bar and a bar and a beat, and a bit later, I'll be landing on on the push four of of the battle and in the next bar you know if i start on beat four then obviously it's 15 that's 15 beats so it'll mean i'll be landing bang on beat one of the of the bar after next you know just they're like really quantifiable simple things that are on that i mean that is a particularly complex thing the complexity with 
with those things is is the stickings that we can choose to play those groupings with can make it have it more complexity but again it's a completely quantifiable thing all that stuff and that's why i'm saying for me that I, that can feel easier to practice and to feel like i'm making progress by bang got that right got that right it feels like it's in time i understand what it is and oh, i'm playing it well and bang boom boom and all those things are kind of tickable but I think this other thing of of um, of understanding what that does for our playing on on a, on a deeper level in relation to having a having a deeper pocket and having a deeper understanding of just time itself, and also that thing of making sure when we're practicing those whatever they are those complex things, is that we are listening to ourselves on the instrument and saying not only is that in time and is that the thing that I'm trying to get right, but it sounds the way I want it to sound. It sounds like me, you know, I'm, I'm not just playing. And, and so, like, I've said this before, and I say this to students all the time, I always have this kind of... If I'm practising something like that, I will practise it in sort of three three general stages it's a very broad paint paintbrushes these broad broad brushes of the stroke i would say there's more there's more layers than this but just the three main kind of body of thing in order to kind of understand what i'm saying here the first is to play it with a metronome in a very mechanical way okay then the next stage of it is to try and play it in a way where I'm bringing my sound back in. Now, some might say, well, you should be doing that in stage one. You should always be doing that. Um, and it's like saying, I mean, sometimes in stage one, even I won't play it with a metronome. Now, some would say that's farcical. You're practicing something that's an odd grouping thing and you're not practicing with a metronome. And, and it's like, well, no, I'm just trying to understand what it where it is in in just in relation to a two-bar phrase or something. So I want to understand that first, and then I'm going to put the metronome on, then I'm going to get that accurate, I'm going to play it just on a pad or something, and then I'm going to take it to the drum kit, and then as soon as I take it to the drum kit and I've got the metronome on, and then I'm hitting the drum kit, I then hear myself, like my actual sound, you know. And that's like, can either be stage, uh, like I'm saying, it can be stage three or two, but if I've if I've if I've not done stage one without a metronome stage, this is so complicated. Sorry, it's like trying to follow me. It's like trying to follow some mad hyena running around on the Serengeti chasing, uh, you know, a dead squirrel or something. Um, sorry, yeah. So if it's kind of like if I've if I'm putting the metronome on straight away, that's stage one. Stage two is the sound. Stage three will be inflection. So it will be how to make that phrase have character. If hopefully you understand what that means, um, as in articulating a rudiment in a certain way to make it sound like me or sound not just like the rudiment on the page. So. You know, by putting in an accent somewhere else. You know, some would say, "Well, that's a different. That's a hybrid rudiment." And I'd say, "Well, maybe it is, but you know, I'm not thinking of it in that way. I'm just thinking of it as a. I'm going to use that shape or that pattern, but I'm going to put this certain inflection 
into that pattern. Then that will either be stage three, or if I'm saying if I'm practicing this thing without a metronome at first, just to get to understand what it is, it would be stage four, you know. And some people would argue, you know, that maybe the sound thing should be earlier than that. But I mean, if I was to practice something for the first time on the drum kit, as in not on the pad, which I often don't do, by the way, if I'm doing a coordinational thing, I'll always practice it off the off the kit. And that's mainly from a convenience point of view. It's like I would much rather start on the drum kit because I'm going to play the bloody thing on the drum kit and it's always a challenge to transfer from the pad system I've got set up to the drum kit because you know because the because of the sound and feel thing, you know, the feel mainly but the sound thing. But you know I've got to be realistic. If I'm going to get into anything at all and find time and find a time of day when I can practice and not piss everybody off by practicing some hideous thing that has no meaning to anybody, it's utterly irritating. Then I'm going to practice it on some pads. You know, I've got a nice pad set up here. I've got my bass drum pad down there, my practice pad, my gel pad, and my hi hat pad. My foot hi hat thing with no hi hats, just the clutch, which sort of smacks against the plastic uh, cup thing that holds the bottom higher and that those those things that i practice all my coordination stuff on and uh it's definitely slower than practicing it on the on the drum kit in the first instance i'm absolutely convinced of that there's no doubt about it i'm not i wouldn't argue with anybody about that that the efficiency of that but in my circumstance it means that i am at least practicing some of those things i'm getting chance to actually practice some of those things so so anyway, that kind of I feel like that's kind of it really. I feel like I've I'm going into other areas that I've already sort of talked about. Um so yeah, I think that's it. Um I think I'm gonna go as well, just as an announcement. I think I'm gonna go monthly. I think I'm gonna kind of commit to doing things monthly. Um I'm if I'm really looking at what's going on over the next few months um, in relation to finding time and also having time to sort of sit back and reflect about things, once a month feels now like I'm able to bring uh, something to the archive for myself, you know, um, because I'm not having as much time to practice and I'm, I'm, I'm playing more and also there's a lot going on at work and um, other things, personal things and what have you. Um, it's just making sure that um, it's quality over quantity, really, it feels, an opportunity. So I think the drums in the shed thing is going to go to a monthly thing from now on. Um, I think the extra episodes that might come out will be interviews. And there's a number of interviews that I want to try and do this summer. Um, other interviews, by the way. Whether I get round to them, I'm not sure. Um, or when I can get round to them, I'm not sure. But we'll see. Uh, but just interesting discussions more than interviews, really. Um, but the one I've been trying to do since before Christmas, I'm hoping to get that done in the next few weeks. So those things hopefully will be extra so they may they may come into the bi the bi monthly thing or the the two weekly thing bi weekly whatever because bi weekly can be twice a week or twice a month can't it I always get confused by that 
um, bi-monthly is, uh, I think bi-monthly is definitely feels like the right phrase for twice a month. So not once every two months, which is what it also can mean. So it's also confusing, isn't it? Anyway, two, you know, once a month, I think we're going to go to, um, with the occasional, I think, uh, one that's in the middle of the month. So, or just between the other two, anyway. I can't even remember what the date the last one was. So I think that's kind of it for today. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to finish now because uh, I feel like I'm wittering on as usual. Um, so, yeah, hope all is well. Keep gigging. Um, and I will be back soon. So bye for now. <laughs>